paved with gold Lifted some stones, saw the skin and bones Of a city without a soul I stopped outside a church house Where the citizens like to sit They say they want the kingdom But they don't want God in it Yeah, I went with nothing Nothing but the thought of you I went wandering Live from the Mecca of Mormonism, this is Heart of the Matter from Salt Lake City, Utah. I'm Sean McCraney, your host. Last week, we had, the, for the first time, a transmitter blew out, and we couldn't do the show. So in almost two years, uh, one time we had a problem, and it was last week, so we apologize. If you want to watch the show or you have friends who want to watch the show online, have them go to www.bornagainmormon.com. And they can uh, see how to get on, watch the show there live through streaming video. Uh, in the house tonight, we have a handsome guest. It's snowing in Salt Lake right now, so but we still have a great group here: Mary Ellen, Stephen, Natalie, Lane. The Jeds are back. They would sing for us, but they have a little rough voice tonight. Cheryl, Bill, and Klaus. Uh, they're all in the audience tonight, so we love them. Thank them for coming. Shout-outs to Ray and Michelle S., to Andreas, all the way in Norway, who watches every show and is putting the shows on, um, uh, what is that called, uh, like Google Video, something like that. He's putting all, all of them on there. Um, Joseph J. and David H. and all the boys out there in the prison. Kenny H. from Salt Lake City. And your lovely wife, Marilee, great to see you again, my sister. Holly, Tom, and Eric, Diane, and Doc, where did you go? <clears throat> LDS missionaries in Oslo and Ole in Oslo, Norway. Susan H., Holly, and her dad, Mike, and Christian, and Trevor from the gym. Irma, and Brad's, who is Brad's friend. Gail Crawford, my sister. Jerry B., thanks for the great info. Wendy S., excellent uh, letters and information. Craig over at the car place. Wendy G. in Ogden. L uh, Lauren G. and Jamie and Laura, the shout-outs for tonight. We really love you. Additionally, it seems that Heart of the Matter has somewhat of a following amongst the homosexual community in Salt Lake City. Recently, I had a man come up and uh, give me a present from this, uh, this local contingency, all of them wanted to give me this book, and the book was titled The Children Are Free, and it's a book that spends an awful lot of time trying to convince the reader that the Bible approves of same-sex relationships. Uh, it says things like David and Jonathan were gay lovers, that Ruth and Naomi were lesbian lovers, and stuff like this. So let's get to the heart of the matter on this issue if we can. First of all, if you're homosexual, whatever. Uh, I'm a man with far too many issues to worry about your issues, your sexual, gender, identity, whatever your, the thing is. Those things I just really don't care about. Um, but let's be reasonable and reliable when it comes to the Word of God, all right? The Bible does not condone or approve of homosexuality. 
no matter how artfully some person puts it together and tries to convince us that it does. So what does this mean? It means that you need to get your gay selves out to a church that teaches the Bible as it is and not to worry about all the things about being treated wrong or whatever. Just get out and learn about Jesus. That is what matters. Jesus. He is all that is matters at, your, at this point, not your sexuality, not your sins, your understanding of Jesus. Hey, I've had to come to a biblical relationship with Jesus. Terrorists need to come to a biblical relationship with Jesus. Gordon B. Hinckley needs to come to a biblical relationship with Jesus. Uh, I think sometimes you might think you're special because you're gay and you don't have to have this biblical relationship. You take the Bible and you're trying to twist it to make it suit your needs. I can't do it with mine. I can't justify my sins through the Bible. Why should you be able to justify yours? So I want you to know I thoroughly love gay people. I think that they as a whole or generally are, make the world a prettier place. And, and, and they have talents and, and all kinds of things. I, I don't differentiate. But Jesus is Jesus is Jesus. And the word is the word. So don't try to take it and make it fit your specific sin or lifestyle. Read it for what it is, accept it, and then move forward in that relationship. So now get yourself out to church and start messing with, stop messing with the word of God. All right. Traveling pastor in the pub this Monday night, December 3rd in Logan, Utah at the Maranatha Baptist Church on Main Street. Everybody is invited. <clears throat> to, uh, 8, 6 to 8.30 p.m. We socialize, we meet and greet, we have a discussion. Everybody can come, LDS, non-LDS, believers, non-believers, whoever. And then we have an open water baptism that we'll hold there for people who want to come forward and publicly uh, pronounce their faith in Jesus Christ. It's not associated with a church, joining a church. It's just going forward and being baptized in Jesus' name. So we welcome you to come there. Of course, we're going to have Pastor in the Pub tonight at Denny's on 5th South in downtown Salt Lake City. So if you're interested in that, Feel free to show up. How about some Mormoniciousness? Uh, Zabe, a faithful fan, sent me this. He said, uh, uh, talks about another change that has occurred in the introduction to the Book of Mormon. He says, the phrase in the introduction that read, this book contains the fullness of the everlasting gospel, as does the Bible, has now been taken out to read and this book contains the fullness of the everlasting gospel. In other words, the Book of Mormon introduction no longer says that the Bible contains the fullness of the everlasting gospel. It, it, it removed that statement from the Book of Mormon. I find that very interesting. Also, we're getting more and more uh, responses of LDS, I'm hearing, stating that how could you say we're not Christian? It's in the title of our church. And we go back to this reoccurring theme. The name Jesus Christ is in our church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I had a guy email me a great insight. He said, if you go to the, the store Staples, it's called Staples, right? And even in their sign Staples, there's a little bend in the L. It makes it look like a staple. But when you walk in that store... You have to search kind of hard to find staples. You have to go and you'll find a space on the shelf about this big that will sell you staples. Of a 10,000 square foot store <clears throat> that sells you 100,000 other things, staples, which is called staples, just has a little section of it. And that is akin to Mormonism. Jesus Christ is in the name, but when you walk in the church, there's just a little shelf, just a little section where Jesus is. 
And if you go into a Christian church, you walk in and the whole thing, every shelf is filled with Jesus. You understand the difference between the two? So drop this insidious argument that it's in the name of the church. It is the most ridiculous thing. You've got to do better than that. All right? So uh, we'll throw that one out there to you. Uh, when you skip a week, you have a lot of stuff to catch up on. I'm trying to get through it quick. A mean-spirited and destructive rumor has been passed around that is saying that Aletheia Ministries, that's the ministry that I'm uh, with, is not an approved 501c3 tax-exempt corporation. This is not true at all in the least. Any and all donations given to Aletheia Ministries have been approved by the IRS to be written off. All right. Additionally, there have been some nasty rumors, if you can believe it, about me. Um, some Christian brothers are maintaining that, quote, I'm not being accountable to anybody, that I'm a rogue, a loose cannon, who needs to have a board or at least a mentor to whom I should be accountable. I want to say right here and now that Aletheia Ministries has always had a board from the get-go, and that, yes, I do, in fact, seek their advice and counsel, and believe it or not, I actually take their direction sometimes. Um, recently, I was advised to do something by them that I did not want to do. I did it anyway. Don't expect this to be a regular thing, but I did follow their advice, and so I am accountable to a board, and we do have one in the ministry as dictated by the IRS, and so all these little rumors that seek to destroy and, and corrupt and just drop it, man. Let's just get on with sharing Jesus with our LDS uh, uh, friends and neighbors. All right. Anyway, I hope this helps. And with that, let's go and have a word with our God, who I believe sometimes sits on our board as well. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. And we are grateful, Lord, for all you do in our life. And we pray for us to understand your love and your grace and your word. Uh, help us tonight, the viewers, help the uh, callers, the, the station, the people who are working and, and volunteering their time. We just pray that your spirit will pour out and teach us what is truth as we study more about uh, Nauvoo and Mormonism. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> My apologies for the people who attended Lord's Word a couple weeks ago because I'm going to share a story that I shared there, but it is applicable in helping us understand about what Nauvoo was all about in Mormon church history. When I started to attend junior high school, my next door neighbor and I, we were best friends and still are very good friends, um, we decided to get interested in fire. And so we started with the Sunday paper and a book of matches, and then we went to lighters, and then we found more accelerants like gunpowder and, and gasoline, and we made acetylene bombs that rocked the neighborhood, and it just, just kept getting bigger and bigger. I mean, we were lighting everything we could on fire. Well, one day we had the brilliant idea. We lived on a cul-de-sac. We had the brilliant idea that we were going to light the cul-de-sac on fire. So, so we, we get this five-gallon a metal can of gas, and we literally soaked every square inch of this very large, round asphalt cul-de-sac with gasoline. And um, we lit the match, and it was insanity. The, there was a plume, there was an explosion, a roar that went up into the sky and sent flames and black smoke. It just was an amazing sight, and it terrified us, and it was exhilarating, and we ran amok till we heard the police helicopter come and the fire department come, and we went and we hid in the bushes. Now, 
We scorched the street so badly, it was sticky for two years thereafter. They didn't catch us, but we just, I mean, we took everything from lighting one match all the way to almost burning down a neighborhood. It had gotten, gone so far. Nauvoo to Joseph Smith was a cul-de-sac on fire. He lit matches with his treasure seeking. He burnt other things with some gasoline, some papers with his Book of Mormon. He, his fire starting started getting bigger with the Pearl of Great Price. He started having revelations that dictated all kinds of other things. And he started moving toward lighting the town on fire. It was liberating and exhilarating and explosive to him in the end. And it left the street called Mormonism uh, sticky for the past 175 years. Step by step, we've moved toward the only place Joseph Smith could end after Nauvoo, dead. All right? And it seems to me that the Nauvoo experience, or what I call the unrestrained years of Joseph Smith, was all about, uh, it was about all that 19th century America could take. He had pushed it to the limit, and Nauvoo was the final cap it was the cul-de-sac fire that said, no more. We're sending in the troops to stop this. Remember, early Americans were extremely sensitive to anything that smacked of religious despotism or tyranny or flexing unauthorized militaristic muscle. They were afraid of uprisings like that. Additionally, these were outwardly moral people who were easily horrified by anything that was licentious, and it assaulted their Victorian sensibilities. And when they heard in Nauvoo these smackings of more than one wife and these different things echoing through, it scared them terribly. The more aggressive, arrogant, and outlandish unrestrained Joseph became, the more justification people had from all walks of life to see him removed. Removed, but no more than a, of a martyr than Jesse James or Bonnie and Clyde. If you recall last week, we discussed several interesting elements present in Joseph's unrestrained Nauvoo, which contributed to a final shootout at Carthage Jail. We're going to get to Carthage next week. The saints had been driven from their homes in Missouri by impatient Missourians who didn't like the Mormons telling them that Missouri was a land God had gave, given them and it was going to be all theirs to control and own. That scared the Missourians, so they drove the Mormons out. Joseph and his brother Hiram, however, were captured and they were placed in a place called Liberty Jail in Missouri, while the rest of the Mormons fled to a place called Quincy, Illinois. When Joseph and Hiram escaped, now listen, when they escaped from Liberty Jail and joined the saints in Illinois, they quickly decided to relocate 50 miles north of the Mississippi and they named this place Nauvoo. Now remember, Joseph and Hiram were on the run from the law when they established Nauvoo. I believe this condition led Joseph to constructing the city in a way that would protect him from being extradited back to Missouri to face the charges of escape. He was determined to make Nauvoo a safe haven for the saints, and he sent missionaries to Europe, and he sent them to the East Coast to convince the disenfranchised of the world to come and enjoy the bounteous blessing. And as we mentioned two weeks ago, many converts came. And by 1844, the year Joseph Smith had the shootout and was killed, Nauvoo rivaled Chicago in its size, about 15,000 citizens which certainly raised eyebrows to people who were concerned with this quick expansion of a city led by somebody who had escaped from jail and who had had a history of doing a lot of things other people didn't seem to appreciate. 
Around 1840, going back four years, a newcomer arrived in Nauvoo by the name of John C. Bennett, and it appears that Brother Bennett was a very shady character. He was a doctor, but he was uh, shady, politically adept, and very persuasive. And Joseph met John C. Bennett and embraced him quickly, and quickly they became very good friends. <clears throat> John C. Bennett then moved with his political abilities and he convinced the Illinois legislature to grant them a lot of liberty in constructing the laws of Nauvoo. In doing so, Nauvoo, Nauvoo secured some very um, liberal license to organize their city in any way they wanted. <clears throat> the, the Illinois legislature was not uh, used to helping people organize cities. And so Joseph understood this and they took advantage of it. It was a dream come true for Joseph Smith and his utopian ideals and for his carnal mind. And he had a city kind of where he could just set it up as he wanted. So Joseph and John Bennett soon established Nauvoo's government and governess. They made up their own unique laws. They acted as the judge and jury in their own courts. They got elected into offices and positions and they controlled a militia sent, set forth to maintain what they said was essential peace in the city. Now think about this for a moment. You have Joseph Smith, who escaped from jail in Missouri and had a history of being involved in militaristic movements like Zion's camp, which we talked about several months ago. Then he founds a city. He takes great liberties in how the city is established relative to common municipal practices. And this causes the people in the state to really get concerned. Newcomer John Bennett becomes the mayor and Joseph appoints himself as, quote, Lieutenant General of the Nauvoo Militia, which grew to a force of over 2,000 soldiers. These soldiers were not lying around and guarding the flower beds. They were practicing and marching and they had uniforms and they were, they were always on trying to make themselves better and better. <clears throat> they had a religious goal, if not a nationalistic goal, to be prominent. Now, what fears would arise in your heart if a powerful influential polygamist in Las Vegas, Nevada, established a community that quickly boomed. It was filling up with people and they established their own military and they began marching about with their own military here in the middle of the U.S. How would the United States government respond to somebody who did that? That was the scenario of Nauvoo. When the church celebrated their 11th anniversary in April of 1841, um, they invited outside newspaper and other people to come in and observe this military in action. And there was an editor of an out-of-town newspaper named Thomas Sharp who showed up. But instead of writing a glowing report about of how great everything looked, he turned around, he went back to his newspaper, and he became an ardent foe of Joseph Smith and what he saw in this unrestrained city. This, too, added fuel to the fire that was quickly becoming Nauvoo. In April of 1841, Joseph reintroduced, reintroduced polygamy by secretly marrying uh, a woman named Louisa Beeman. This was the beginning of a plethora of secret marriages and wives that he took to himself. And that was also more fire that people were hearing about in the distance. I hear they have more than one wife. With Bennett being his closest confidant in, in this, Joseph shared with Bennett the idea of the secret right to becoming a god. That if you practice polygamy, you can become a god. Well, John C. Bennett, 
He used polygamy just to sleep with as many women as he could. Joseph found out about this, got very angry because it was what it was going to do was blow the whole thing open because he had no decorum in what he was doing. And they had a falling out and John C. Bennett left the church. But he became a, an ardent foe of Joseph Smith. And he too began writing things about what was going on in the secret halls of Nauvoo. <clears throat> But more flames and more smoke are coming. Joseph decided to sue the state of Illinois for uh, reparations. He went back and he actually filed a, a, a suit with the federal government to have the state of Illinois give back the property and valuables that they had lost when they were driven out. It didn't take long for the government to have red flags coming up politically of what is going on in that town. This guy is suing another state for reparation. He has his own military. He's boasting. Joseph did the only thing that he could do in the face of all this. He wasn't getting the reparations he wanted. And so then Joseph poured gasoline over the entire city as we did when we were kids. And he did something that essentially set his fate. Not the polygamy. He decided to run for president. And now you ask yourself this question. All this background on Nauvoo, does this sound Christian? Does this sound like it comes from the New Testament Jesus? Or does it sound like it's the gospel of Joseph unbridled, running amok? Think about this. Was God part of any of this, really? Would Jesus truly establish where women with husbands or not are secretly married by the dozens to its military leader who was running from the law, running for president, and running the only bar allowed in town? Does this sound like Christianity to you? Fawn Brody, in one of the best written biographies on Joseph Smith, No Man Knows My History, describes Joseph in Nauvoo the best. She writes, Despite the undertones of disaster that were rumbling in and about Nauvoo, he seemed to be riding securely astride the world. He was not only candidate for president, but also mayor of Nauvoo, judge of the municipal court, merchant of the leading store, hotel keeper, official temple architect, real estate agent, contractor, recorder of deeds, steamboat operator, trustee and trust for all the finances of the church, lieutenant general of the Nauvoo Legion, spiritual advisor and the Lord's communicant to the true church, king of the new kingdom of God and husband of almost 50 wives. Sound like Jesus? I am certain that there are some in the viewing audience who are convinced that God was behind Joseph and Nauvoo and what was happening there. Let's take a minute as we conclude and let's read some of the attitudes that come out of Joseph as he progressed in that, those four years there. Let's open up the phone lines so we can get the operators answering calls. It's 801-973-TV20, 801-973-8820. We would hope that you are a first-time caller. We would love for you to be LDS, and uh, we would love for you to have a question or a comment and to move it quickly. Also, make sure you hang up your, uh, you turn down your TV when you come on the air. All right, so... I have no idea how much time we've got, but let me go here. Uh, we would love, uh, is that, we've gone 22 or we have? We have 22. Okay, okay. I'm going to cut off this uh, last part and I'm going to continue on next, uh, next week with all the quotes from Joseph from Nauvoo, but um, all of it base, is based on his power, his ego, his love of all the things of bringing everything that was of the earth, sex, 
power, money, back up into heaven. He promised the people these same things. And the whole deal about that is, is that the church today, the LDS church today, is based on the very things that Joseph Smith founded Nauvoo on. And that's why you see its opulence. That's why you see its strength, its power, its political leanings. All of this continues on in the LDS church today. Don't fool yourself. We'll talk more about that next week. All right, as we wait for the callers uh, to call, uh, quickly, there was an article in the Salt Lake Tribune by a Bruce Wilson talking about Mitt Romney, and he said, criticizing Romney, likewise, when his Mormon faith is questioned, it isn't enough to stoically deflect the subject. I think most Americans expect that Romney should be deeply disappointed by such religious intolerance and even angered by those who characterize a substantial and legitimate Christian denomination as an unworthy non-Christian cult. The rhetoric is spreading more and more. This writer says that they are that the Mormonism is a substantial and legitimate Christian denomination. They're going to continue to push this. Uh, some, something has to happen on that. We have uh, Tyler on line one in Bountiful. Let me get through a few more of these and we'll go to Tyler. I have a letter. It says, Sean, I'd like to tell you what I think about you and your TV show. And then it's a blank page. And then it says, oh, well, I couldn't find uh, anything to stay. Uh, please go home and stay at California. You you egotistical, and I can't tell you the word he used there. So we thank you for that anonymous letter. I wish you'd write your uh, name and address on these things so I can know what to say. Another guy uh, hand-typed a letter, and, and you can see there, that's boring. Uh, he says, I'm a very dull and unconvincing person, and if I don't think so, I should watch my own shows and read my own book. And I'm very annoying due to my lack of personal preparedness and my facts. And then I'm nothing more than a conniving fraud. So thank you again. But again, I have no name that I can tell them to. Ted, who is uh, Islamic, wrote, I love how you promote hatred. It does my heart good. And uh, I want you to know, Ted, that if questioning a dominant religion of their practices and policies who claim to be Christian but who are not is hate, uh, I guess I'm guilty, but I, I don't see it as hate speech. I just think, Ted, that you're a wimp. And uh, you just don't like the facts. You live in this new world of everything is politically correct. And, you know, we're going to call facts as they are. All right, what line, Tyler? Line one. Line one. Tyler, you're on Heart of the Matter. Yeah, I was just calling. I've flipped through your show and kind of just passing through. I don't like to watch it to give you ratings. But um, just yeah. kind of curious on when you uh, come across your show. I mean, the LDS Church, and I'm LDS, and has uh they accept all dominations it it doesn't matter what you practice to preach or i guess your religion and why can you uh, bring across your show and spread i guess you're trying to uh spread christianity but to me it sounds like all you've ever doing is ripping on the mormons why can't you just spread christianity because i want to rip on the mormons i mentioned anything about the mormons I want to rip on the Mormons. I, I was a Mormon, and they lie through their teeth about doctrines and practices and history, and they beguile people, and they put them in bondage to different legalistic rules. Okay. And so I'm going to address that, Tyler. Okay, so that's, that's your opinion there. No, it's not my opinion. It's a fact. A fact to you, yeah. No, it's a fact to everybody. I mean, all you got to look at some practices and doctrines. I'm not talking about the people. I'm fact. talking about the doctrines. So, and... 
Are you saying what, that you're perfect, that you're not allowed to make mistakes? I am the most imperfect imbecile you've ever met, Tyler. You got it all wrong. And by the way, the LDS church does not accept every denomination. I don't know where you're pulling that from, but they don't accept any don't denomination. Criticize every domination. What, what's that? Uh, we don't, aren't criticizing them, though, either. You criticize them every time you knock on their door and tell them that there's no true church on the face of the earth but yours. That's a, that's a tacit... That's not criticizing them. That's a tacit criticism. criticizing them because they're of a different domination. That's, that's, that's the gospel. Look at Joseph said God said that all the churches were an abomination and their creeds are an abomination. In your temple, you, you show a, a, a preacher, you did, that was of a Protestant faith and, and have him communing with the devil. Don't tell me you don't pick on other denominations. That's a lie too, Tyler. Yeah, okay. Well, okay, good response. Give me something else that's factual. What do you want? I, I'm not, there's no way I'm going to convince you to change your mind. No, you're not, but convince somebody who's watching the show that I'm wrong. They're not going to be convinced off your show. That's the thing. No one, I don't see any positive thing coming out of your show. Well, then you should read the emails we get from people whose lives have changed because their eyes were open to the facts of the religion that they've given everything to that has lied to them. Let's see you do one show without ripping on the Mormon or the other. That's idea. not what the show's about. Listen, that's if, if the show is about... That is what your show is about. It's just to rip on the Mormons. Exactly. You, exactly. I'm not differing with you on this. My show is not about having shows that don't rip on the Mormons. The show is about examining Mormonism through and through. We teach their unspoken history. And that's what it? the how show's being, about, Tyler. How are you being Christ-like? Well, Jesus examined the, the, the uh, religious Your fallacies of the people. Uh, centered around ripping on people? Jesus ripped on them all the time. He didn't. He did. Read your Bible. Oh, well, maybe if it's translated correctly, Tyler. Yes, you know, he ripped on them all the time. He called them vipers. He called them snakes. He told them they were going to burn in hell with gnashing of teeth. He, he ripped on them for their religious falsity, for them thinking that they were pious and good when they were not. If you don't see that when you read the oh, Bible, you need to read the Bible again. It sounds like you have a problem with that, I guess. Huh? I don't have a problem with it. I'm doing the very same thing. Look at your inner self and figure yourself out. Okay, nice psycho babble there. All right, do you want to say anything else? Okay, Tyler, it's over. Thanks, man. All right, uh, we have Scott on line three from Salt Lake City. Scott, you're on Heart of the Matter. You know I have to fire it up. Hey, how you doing, man? How you doing, Scott? Good, doing good. Hey, this is the first time caller here. I just was flipping through and uh, listened to you. And it was some interesting facts uh, you had to say about Joseph Smith there. And Nauvoo, um, I grew up in the LDS religion, and um, it, it wasn't my forte. I'm a single dad with two kids now, and I just took them down to Temple Square last weekend just to go take the kids out. And I felt so un unwelcome there because I was a single dad with two kids. Wow. And um, I just want to say that was some interesting matters, what you were talking about, about Joseph Smith. I never heard that growing up. You only hear... The, the what they want you to hear exactly and um i was actually going to go meet with an lds bishop to confront him hey i'm lacking faith in my life and the mormon church isn't doing it for me um and i was going to see if he could recommend any other church for me to go to because i'm lacking faith where do you live scott um in the avenues oh right up in the avenues there's a I was wondering if you had any suggestions because the mormon church doesn't do it for me i i feel uncomfortable i don't feel welcome there um, it's not, I don't know, it, it just, it's not for me, and I need, I need something where I can, my kids can grow up, too, learning 
the true teachings of Christ, you know? How old are your kids? Uh, my daughter, she's six, and my son's three. Okay. There are, you know what? Uh, remember this email address, www.bornagainmormon.com, that, that website, and email me, and I'll give uh, a number of churches around here that have good programs for kids. Okay. And, and I'll give you a, a two or three choices, and you should not stick to any one, but go out and, and visit them. There are good pastors here who teach the Bible. They cut down on all the religious stuff, and, and you can find one very easily in this area, Scott. And so this, that's born again, Mormon. Yeah, dot com. Again, then uh, uh, look for Sean. Just yeah, you'll, it'll say contact us, and you can just email, just click on that, and it will go right to me, and you can just send me an email. Remind me of the call, and we'll, I'll send you a list of places to consider. All right, and you guys, would you guys do this once a week or what? Yeah, we do it every week, Tuesday nights from eight to nine. Okay, awesome. I, I think the word needs to get out. I, I found that very interesting when you said, um, was that was that Jesus? Does that sound like Jesus to you? Does that sound Christ-like to you? And it's like, no, it doesn't. Right. Oh. Yeah, it's very simple. I, yeah, it, it doesn't. And, you know, and all you hear, you know, well, they had polygamy because they came across the country and their, their fathers died and everything. But that's the first time I heard they had polygamists in, in Illinois. I always thought that people died coming across the plains, and that's why they took on the parents. And no, and, and in fact, it, it happened well before Illinois, too, my brother. Uh, Joseph was marrying girls well before Illinois. It's just he stopped for a while, and he's picked it back up in Nauvoo. Wow. Hey, oh, uh, hey listen, well, I we, appreciate it, Sean. Um, good luck with the show, and I'll, I'll email you here. We can uh, and, uh, talk some more. All right, Scott. And we also go to Denny's after the show every Tuesday night on 5th South. If you ever uh, want to come down, your kids are welcome. 5th South. Yeah, 5th and 150 West. Okay. All right, cool. Awesome. All right, man. Thanks, Sean. Good Thank luck. I uh, okay. hope to meet you one day. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. That was a nice, that was a nice successful call. We have uh, Sandy on line two. Sandy, you're on Heart of the Matter. Oh, this, hello, are you there? Hi, Sandy, I'm here. Oh, um, I just have a comment. I don't remember if it was the 60s or 70s or 80s. Maybe it was just right when they let the blacks into the church. 78? Over to my mother's home. And she and my father were going to their library. They had quite a massive library of different Mormon books, including uh, one of Brigham Young's wives who left and wrote a negative book about Brigham Young and the lifestyle. Yeah. They were pulling all these books out. They had a list on a piece of paper. And I observed them like they were frantically going through their library. There must have been 30 books. In those days, we had incinerators, and they took them out to the incinerator and lit them on fire. Wow. I asked, I said, Mother, what are you doing? And she says, we're not allowed to have these books anymore. The church told us to destroy them. Yeah. So there's my comment. It's Fahrenheit 451 all over again. And you know what? I, I heard from somebody, a reliable source who works for uh, someone, I, I hate to say someone who's someone, but... Someone who works for a stake president who read that they're supposed to destroy all the old books of Mormon, too. They will just continually do whatever they can. They know they'll get caught because they can't get everything, but they will just continually erode away at anything substantial so they can continue to give you the new versions. Drives me nuts. I have uh, shown my sister a book or two, and she told me they're all forgeries. I said, no, they're not. And she said, yes, they're all the all. Forgeries. Just get rid of them all. Wow. 
Great call. Thank you so much. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. <clears throat> we are going to... Uh, we're going to Douglas in Mapleton on line four. Douglas, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hello, is this Sean? Yeah. Hey, uh, I was wondering if you have heard of a book called Dynasty of the Holy Grail. No. Mormonism's Sacred Bloodline. I haven't. Oh, wow. It says that the bloodlines of Jesus Christ, Mary Magdalene, and Joseph have the same genetic codes. Hey, you... The tribe of Judea and Ephraim that mark their heir, their heir for authority. Douglas, you know what? Right Douglas, we just got word that there, your audio is not coming through on the air. So uh, I, if you can call back or uh, send me an email with that title, I'd love to dialogue with you about it, but they're not getting this on the air. Yep. Okay. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. We're going we're gonna to destroy line four. All right. We have next call. Unsure. We have some technical problems tonight, if you couldn't tell. So uh, bear with us. I apologize. Listen, I got a letter from uh, or an email from uh, Clark L. I won't give his last name. He's LDS, and he asked me four questions. I'm going to read the first three. Do you feel the Catholic Church is a cult? Or do you feel it's part of true Christianity? I think most religions can be cultic. More, most organizations, even many of those that consider themselves Christians, can become cultic and where the ideas of men infiltrate. And so I, my stance is I think there are many Catholics who are Christian and, and there, are, there are Mormons who are Christian and there are Baptists who are Christian and it's all up to the individual. It's not the religion. And uh, you know I think that Catholicism does a lot to... Um, take away from the cross through Mariology and uh, some of the other things. But most religions have difficulty with things and they emphasize stuff I don't necessarily like. So there's my answer. It might sound vague, but that's what I think. Second question is, how do you feel about Christian churches which have accepted men and, and openly gay women and openly gay men as clergy? I think the Bible answers that readily. I think that... Uh, whether they're accepting openly gay men or women or openly uh, uh, murderous, uh, adulterous, lying, business, cheating, all of that is not right. The Bible tells us, listen, there's a certain higher standard that's listed in Timothy for uh, somebody to uh, share the gospel and to be a pastor over people. And so uh, it, it's answered right there in the Word. The third question is, in your opinion, is the final state of the many North Korean, Chinese, Vietnamese, Cambodian, and Japanese young men and civilians who were killed in World War II? What's their final state? And uh, my answer is, I would never, ever know or be able to predict any of that. And only God knows that. But I can tell you this, God is a God of love and grace. And the blood of Jesus Christ opened the door for people who never had a chance to hear about him. They're going to be judged according to the knowledge that they did have, according to Romans. And so, uh, who knows? I don't know. But I would never be someone so presumptuous to say they're in hell, if that's the answer you were looking for me to give. All right, we have uh, Ginny and Ogden on line one. Ginny, you're on Heart of the Matter. Oh, yay. I didn't think I was going to make it through. You made it. <laughs> Hey, um, I had a interesting discussion with some family members of mine. One of them was a is a polygamist. The other one's LDS, um, and they tried to tell me. Uh, my, I I told them I said, well, when we find the Dead Sea Scrolls, 
why didn't it prove Joseph Smith's translation correct? Uh-huh. And my brother tried to tell me that it did. They found the book of Abraham and the book of Moses in those scrolls. Do you know where they get that information from? Probably from the uh, cannabis they've been smoking. There's absolutely no, nothing found, uh, the book of Abraham or book of Moses in the Dead Sea Scrolls. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So you can tell him that with that much emphasis and you're absolutely correct. Yeah, because he, I said I would need some proof of that and he said, well, farms. Sure. I don't. I doubt very strongly he's getting that from farms, but uh, you know, nonetheless, may, maybe they are. Maybe they are reaching out that far to come up with something now. But you know, there's just that is just categorically false. It's myth making, and it goes along with discussing uh, church doctrines with people who don't know them. They'll say whatever they can to try to convince you. Yeah. Yeah. But I, uh, you correct your brother. <laughs> I did. I did. I told him, yeah, I would need to see that because that was pretty, um, it, it was pretty far-fetched. one-sided to me. It's not very concrete at all. Yeah. So, well, great call, Jen. I appreciate it. Sure. Are you going to be talking about the, the newer things that, you know, a lot of this, like farms, are you going to be talking about any of the stuff that they try to throw out there? And Yeah. Uh, we're going to get more into that next year and then the following year. We, you know, we've had people tell us, you're going to run out of stuff to talk about. It's endless. And so we have it kind of, pl- I have two years planned right now working on the outlines for them all. And we're working our way through the Joseph Smith period. We're going to end it with his uh, murder or his being killed. And then after that, we're going to go into the Brigham Young years and then go push into the church as it happened since it's established in Utah. Finally, we will get to the current day church and the stuff that they're doing. So, yeah, we will definitely get to farms. Okay. Farms. Farms, whatever it is. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye, Jenny. All right, we're going to Ron in Taylorsville. Ron, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Ron. Um or, hi, Sean. This is Ron. How you doing? Good, Sean. How you doing? Good. Uh, <laughs> you got me there. Hey, um, <laughs> I just had a quick question. Um, I just wanted more of a, a clarification on why you think Mormons aren't Christians. Okay. Let me make a very important clarification right off the bat. Okay. I don't say Mormons are not Christian. I say Mormonism is not Christian. And that's a very important uh, distinction. I think, uh, and the reason I don't think that, we have a show that is called Are They Christian? We did it about five weeks ago. If you go online and you click on that show, I take a chalkboard, it's a, a dry erase board, and I categorize how you are Christian or how Mormonism is Christian, how they're kind of Christian, how they're, wow, it's scary Christianity, but we can accept it how they are not Christian, and how they are even anti-Christian. So there's like five categories that we go through. And if you watch that show, it'll take you 55 minutes, you will get the summary, which I can't give you here. I can go through and bring things up, but I think it would really help if you really want to know the answer to go to that show and watch it because we just lay it all out. Bottom line. You gave, you gave the example of a, a Staples store. Yeah. A little shelf of Staples. Um, and, and you say we can't justify being Christians because of the, the title of the church, but I guess you have to take into account the keystone of our religion, and that's the Book of Mormon. Right. Um, and I, I think that's where we get 
uh, we are Christians, we believe in the Bible, but also the Book of Mormon from cover to cover is about Jesus Christ. So my question is, how aren't we Christians? Well, uh, all right, since you're asking these questions, I tried to get you to watch the thing, but I'll go through it with you the best of my ability in the short time we have. Yeah, I guess I just don't understand. Well, your argument. Christians believe, one, that Jesus was God. Okay, Christians, we believe be that. Christians believe that you were born a sinner. Okay. okay. We're on the same page so far. We're yeah. not on the same page so far at all. You do not believe <laughs> you do not believe you're born a sinner. You believe you are born pure and clean, a child of God. Christians believe you do not become a child of God until you've been born again. All right? Yeah, well, we, we believe that as soon as you turn eight years old, you, you're at the age of accountability. So uh, what, what do you believe a, a child that dies without baptism, or are they saved or are they not? I think that children are uh, saved by the grace of God. Yeah, hey, but and baptism or not, and an adult, and adults are saved by the grace of God, baptism or not. But a child never had the chance to be born again, so how can they be saved? Um, the, through the grace of God. Okay, but this is the problem with, you asked me a very broad question on a television show where we have a listening audience, and we tried to dedicate a whole show to it, and I, if with everything I give you, you're going to come back with, the way that it's not, I'm not giving it right, but actually I really am. If you just lay down the comparisons, if you do a polyglot of Mormon beliefs and Christian beliefs, and these things are, there's tracks all over the place that will just lay it out for you. But because you're coming from a Mormon perspective and you believe that your beliefs are Christian, it's very tough for you to understand what I'm saying. No, but, I, I, bottom, I, let me just go to a really bottom line one and we'll end it with this. And you can ask me about that. Okay. Christians believe you are saved by grace and grace alone. Okay. That is it. Okay. okay. Mormons. What? No, no, don't. Let's not talk about the word saved. Christians, when they say saved, they mean live with God again. Mormons, they might use the word exalted. Fine. Christians believe that you are exalted by grace and grace alone. Mormons believe that you are exalted by grace and. And that is the biggest difference between it all. Uh, you're right that some Mormons might believe. Not some, my brother. It is all Mormonism teaches that. And let me tell you why. You have to be baptized. You have to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. If you're male, you have to receive the Holy Melchizedek Priesthood. You have to receive the new and everlasting covenant in the temple. You have to be married in the new and everlasting covenant and receive your endowment. If you do not do those things as an active believing Mormon, you will not live with God again as Christians believe you will live with him by grace alone. Do you understand the difference in that? Sean, all you have to do to be saved is have faith, repent, and be baptized and receive the Holy Ghost. Okay, and what do you mean by saved? What, saved. what, what do you mean by saved here? I'm going to go back to this. I tried to clarify. What do you mean by saved? Salvation is entering into the celestial kingdom. That is not true. And now you are, now what you're doing... Sean, that's salvation. That is not true. You are not talking Mormon doctrine, my brother. I'm sorry. You are categorically wrong. Categorically wrong. No, I'm not. Well, okay, you are. Oh, I'm not. You are. I mean, what do you want to do? Just go back and forth? You are. Your doctrines teach it. Any Mormon who knows their stuff will agree. You're not just because you want to present this because it sounds so nice to your itching ears. But my brother, your church does not teach that. You have to receive the new and everlasting covenant. You have to to live with God again. Talk to any Mormon scholar and they'll tell you that salvation is entering into the celestial kingdom. And how do you enter the celestial kingdom? Faith, repentance, and baptism. Do you have to have a new and everlasting covenant? 
No, that's exaltation, Sean. Okay, exaltation. Oh, so you're talking about living with God in the highest level. There's three degrees. Deg oh, semantics. I get it. Nice. Oh, you're so sharp. I like that we can have an open dialogue and be honest with each other instead of play these little word games so that we can make ourselves feel intelligent. You know what, dude? Wake up. It's a difference, and you're trying to say it's not. I'm just pointing out that... You're pointing out that you're a liar is what you're pointing out, my friend. I'm not a liar. You're splitting hairs where you know that there is a big difference in what we're talking about. This is semantical, apologistic crap. Let's talk facts. To Christians, you believe, you confess with your mouth, you go and you live with God. To Mormons, to live with God, you have to go through a bunch of excess works. Sorry, my friend, that's the bottom line. You spend the majority of your time teaching stuff that has no basis. Uh, you're saying I, all of it has basis. Show me that, something that has no basis. That's Sh based on nothing. That's based on... Show me something. We don't. Instead of saying it, just send me an email and say, Sean, this has no basis. It's out of the blue. And I will correct myself and apologize. I am not infallible. I make mistakes constantly. Show me where I'm wrong. But don't just say I'm, I'm giving things without basis. Prove it. Okay? And I'll take the challenge. Show me what does not have any basis, and I will correct myself. You, you say the main difference is Mormons don't believe we're saved by grace, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, that's not true, because we are saved by grace. Okay. The, only thing the, that the piano key is getting old. We've got to play more of the, of the keyboard here. You're, not, you're just hitting one note here, and it's oh, helping justify just your argument. I'm clarifying for you what LDS truly believe about. Yeah, you're not going to clarify what LDS truly believe through this conversation, because you've already shown yourself duplicitous. All right? It's not fair. Actually, haven't. <laughs> Call me when you can show yourself honest in your, in your discussion and not mince words and, and play these games, and we'll have a talk. I'm not, right? I'm not playing any games, John. This is straightforward stuff. Uh, it's here. not straightforward. It's not. All right, I got to let you go. If you don't even understand it. Okay, I don't. I'm, I don't understand it. I'm you sorry. You really don't. I really don't. Okay, thank you. You've won, okay? Do you feel good? Let's hang up now. Thank you. Okay. All right, Tim in Orem. Tim, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, how's it going, Sean? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you? Good. I, uh, I was just curious. I, I just turned on your show tonight. I've never seen it before, but I was wondering what religious affiliation you are or what church you belong to. Or... I, I don't belong to any church. Um, I'm, I'm a Christian, and I, I have trouble with organized religion. I like the way many churches approach teaching the Word. I like many pastors, and their denomination is irrelevant to me. If they teach Jesus and the core issues and the core beliefs of Christianity, I love them and support them. So you're, you're a Christian who doesn't believe in organized religion, is that correct? No, I believe in it. I think it, does, it has value and service, and we're supposed to get together with people who are like-minded and have fellowship. I think all those things are good, but I think today's church is in trouble, and so I don't affiliate with any denomination specifically. So, so you don't believe that, um, that salvation is necessary based upon what religion you belong to? Or? No, I don't. No. Right, okay. Yeah, I believe it is based on your relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Cool. Does that help? So, so yeah, um, I was just curious then, like, uh, what kind of, I guess, your show, like, what, what is the, I guess, the purpose of your show, if you could sum it up in maybe like a sentence or... 
Having been LDS, I know that the LDS do not teach biblical Christianity to their members. They teach a, a, a false alternative doc, doctrine, and so it makes it puts their membership in bondage, and they do not have the liberty and freedom of knowing Jesus. And so this show is to help spark their interest, whether it be through anger or through intrigue or curiosity. And we hope that they will, as a good friend of ours says, get a library card and start looking into what they believe. And then maybe they'll start to say, where is Jesus in all of this? And they'll find him and they'll have a relationship with him. And then they'll decide if they want to stay Latter-day Saint or move on to a, a Bible teaching church. But the whole thing is to kind of shock or to get you to think or to look at the facts and then to kind of examine your life relative to Jesus. Cool. I, I respect that. I, I was just um, I, I was just curious, uh, like, um, if you've ever, you, you said you, you had been a Mormon before, is that right? Yeah, uh, 40 years. 40 years, wow. Yeah. Have you ever, so did you ever have, like, a testimony, as they say? Well, it's tough to say because I was uh, programmed to believe the things I was taught, you know, cradle till I was 40. And, you know, and you sing the songs and you hear the teachings and you're shown the pictures and you go on the mission and you bear the testimony and you hear people every month bearing testimony and every week. And so you have a mindset. And so did I have a testimony? I had a belief that the things these people had told me were true. Yes. Right. But then I came to realize that uh, nothing I did or said as a Latter-day Saint changed my nature as a sinner. And I had a roadside experience where Jesus uh, took over my life and that changed everything. Right. Have you, have you ever, like, ever had like a spiritual witness, as it were, about the Book of Mormon? Um, I believe that the Book of Mormon uh, taught good Christian doctrines. And I believe that it was a good, true book. Yeah, at one time on the mission, I pushed that. Oh, you said you actually served a mission? Oh, yeah. Where did you serve? Uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. We got to move it, man. Tim, I love your call. I know you just tuned in. Go to our website, www.bornagainmormon.com, and uh, you can read all about it. We can send you a book for free if you want one. It tells the history and everything else. And uh, really, really appreciate your call. Thanks, John. All right, see ya. All right. Bye-bye. We're going to Mike in Holiday, first-time caller. Mike, you're on Heart of the Matter. Sean, how are you doing? Doing well. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. I just, I gotta just say, you are an amazing, amazing person. Um, I, I cannot believe how humble you are, and I'm a donkey, man. An amazing teacher. Anybody here who knows me knows I'm a donkey. <laughs> they do. If you knew me, you'd know I'm a donkey too. Well, whatever. Hey, if I look as good as you when I'm 40, then I'm gonna be uh, pretty happy. <laughs> well, that's nice. Thanks. <laughs> but hey, anyway, um, you know, I'm uh, like I said, I'm 30 years old. I've Served the mission, did all that. Um, Louisiana, two years, was assistant to the president. Um, wow. And have since then, you know, sort of um, found a better way for me. And I, I definitely now uh, believe that religion and spirituality are definitely two separate things. Uh-huh. Um, and I think you would agree with me on that. I would. Um, but what I was calling about is I've heard that there's a group. Uh, actually, I, I checked out their website and that they are actually making progress on getting the Y taken off the mountain down in Provo. And I, I agree with that. I, I don't think it's an appropriate use of public property that it's a, a church-owned school with this 300-foot-tall logo hmm. on public property. And I was just curious, 
Have you heard any news on that? What's your opinion, your thoughts? Is First I've heard of it. Never, never even crossed my mind. And the only thing, the only thing that makes me agree with that is the fact that it is church-owned. Other universities, which are public, you know, they put their U and stuff. But when it's a private university owned by a church, that does make some sense. Right. Well, I mean, I was just, I was just curious. Um, haven't, haven't heard about that though. You haven't, huh? No. Huh. Well, all right. I'll just keep checking it out. Um, maybe I'll email you their website. You can check it out or something. That'd be awesome. Thanks so much. All right. Hey, keep it up. Really, you're you're an amazing person, and uh, wow, that's all I have to say. Keep it up. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. See you later. You should talk to my kids. All right. Let's go to Alan in South Jordan. Alan, you're on Heart of the Matter. Oh, yes. All right. Just a quick comment. I Alan, I recognize your voice. Oh, thank you. Yes. I. Uh, it's been a while. I, Introduce I, yourself, Alan. Yes. Um, anyway, I was. Um, I noticed a cartoon. I have to share it with you. It a, has a, a street, and along the street, there's <clears throat> there's a new Nazi headquarters, pornography peddlers, uh, mafia headquarters, Ku Klux Klan. But everybody's picketing around the temple, Mormon temple. And uh, that's kind of funny. It's, uh, the irony is, uh, makes it funny. Uh, but the same token, I, I look on the TV and I don't see any programs dedicated to the mafia or the Ku Klux Klan. Or the, I do. Uh, Watch the History Channel. Oh, okay, well, that's not dedicated fully. Yeah, they do. Uh, it's dedicated to different aspects of history once in a while. Well, this station's dedicated to different aspects of Christianity. Uh, but, uh, oh, I, I, get, uh, I get all kinds of things about Mormonism on this one, but I, I, I don't see the same emphasis uh, dedicated to uh, these other evils. Uh, maybe, maybe Mormonism is, uh, ranks pretty high. I guess in order to be... Uh, mainline uh, Christian, we should have had more uh, inquisitions and more, <laughs> more uh, bloody crusades, I guess. Excellent. Okay. So what you're doing is you're criticizing me for attacking the Mormons. Oh, no, no. No, I, no, no, but indirectly, sort we're not of. Perfect. And now you're kind of doing the same thing to the Christians. It is we're, not, we're not perfect. Uh, oh, just, I that's just hard to believe. That, uh, some of the other bad guys ought to get their share. Well, you can always try to have a show. I mean, you can always write a book and try to have a show that goes after the Inquisitions. That why doesn't why hasn't anybody else? Uh, I don't know. I mean, if I was part of that group and I grew up that way and found out when they told me there was no Inquisition and there was, I might have a show that does that. Yeah, but well, that comes I, from the Mormon I, side, you know. There might be another reason, but uh, we won't go, go into that. But anyway, well, no, wait, uh, don't leave us hanging. The, what is it? What's the uh, reason, Alan? Well, the, 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 uh, all the you've heard the the parable of the. The guy that uh, had all the... We have 15 seconds, my brother. Call us back with the parable next week. Okay. All right, all right. All right. thanks. Bye-bye. We have nine seconds. We love you, Denny's. And remember, uh, jo uh, yes, whatever. Denny's tonight, Fifth South. Bye.